Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Well, good day to you, Glenridge people. It is great to be with you again this Sunday. While I'm busy preaching this, actually this is, this is pre-recorded, and uh, while you're watching this, we will have had a service in person with 250 people, and we will have started our next service at 10.30 with 250 people. So excited to have people back in the building, and we'd love to see you. Uh, we do want to continue to serve you well and make sure that you are being fed, make sure that you're connected with, being connected with, and all those sorts of things. So we're going to continue our online service in tandem with our in-person meetings, but we'd love to see you at our in-person meetings and to enjoy the time together, enjoy some seeing pe people, connecting with people, worshiping together, and just being part of what God's doing in our midst, as he always does, something significant. So really exciting times this to be able to get people back in the building and uh, a, new, a, new, a new step in the adventure of COVID and the pandemic of COVID. And uh, looking forward to what God does in this season now as he strengthens the church and calls us to greater intimacy with him. Last week, last week, I spoke about your first love, our first love. Uh, what does it, what, have we lost our first love? I wrote, uh, spoke at a Revelation chapter two, and that came out of an elders time together, eldership meeting together. We started to ask God, God, what are you saying? What are you wanting to do? And the word that we came out with was this word radical, this word of uncompromising, this word of the sense of wanting to take hold of God and allowing God to grip our hearts in a profound way. And I want to continue with that theme because we really believe that this is something that God is saying and speaking to us. We are in the series in the book of Acts, but we're kind of doing a little, little kind of rabbit trail now and, and going off on this tangent a little bit. But um, because we believe that's what God's saying. So let's, I want to get to Revelation chapter 3. You might have heard the, the, the term lukewarm Christianity and uh, lukewarmness. And Jesus speaks uh, to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 about lukewarmness. So let's read the, the, the verses. It's chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22. We're going to read that and then we're going to just have a look at what God says there as he goes after our hearts in this time. There is a, this is a monumental moment in history this COVID pandemic, it is one of those moments that you're going to be able to tell your children, we lived through that. But friends, and, and it's, been, it's been terrible for some, it's been, it's been terrible for all of us, but for some people, they've lost loved ones. Um, it's, been, it's been absolutely tragic for others. People have lost businesses. It's been, it's been, a, really, it's been a really tough time. But um, there is this moment in history, this window in history, that I believe God is wanting to do something very, very significant in our lives, friends. And we can't afford to miss that moment. We cannot afford to miss what God is doing at this moment. And one of the things that God is doing, and probably I would say the biggest thing that God is doing, is He's taking, he, wants, he wants our hearts, friends. He wants, to, he wants us to take hold of Him, and he wants, to allow, he wants us to allow Him to take hold of us in a deep way. Um, Joel chapter 2 talks about rend your hearts and not your garment. Rend your heart to repent. Come back to me, he says. And, and there, there's a moment in history right now where God is calling the church, calling his people 
back to him, back to intimacy, back to radical obedience, back to, back to the kingdom of God and putting that first in our lives. And, and then promising, as Matthew chapter 6 says, if you go first after the kingdom of God, I'll add to you everything else. But we need to be going first for the kingdom of God and first for Jesus as we live our lives. But let's have a look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22, and look at what it says. This is what it says. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That right there is an outstanding description of Jesus. Have you ever thought of Jesus as the Amen? We know in Corinthians he talks about everything in Christ as yes and Amen. But actually, Jesus is the amen of God. He is the, God, he is the one that where his, God's purposes are established through, the, through Jesus, through the person of Jesus. Jesus is God's amen to the world. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness. Jesus is not just the amen, the one that establishes, that puts things in place, and there's a certainty because of his life. He's a faithful and true witness to the kingdom of God and the ruler of God's creation. The ruler of God's creation. He is the amen, the faithful and true witness and the ruler of God's creation. What an amazing description of Jesus. Let's continue. I, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. It's quite a vivid image of of vomiting or spitting you know um you wake up in the morning to get a nice cold uh, glass of water is amazing and even to get a nice hot cup of tea or a nice hot cup of water with some lemon and and honey in is absolutely amazing but to have that kind of that that water that is you know that water that sits in the tap when it's hot and you turn the tap on and you put the glass there and you just drink it and it's that tepid horrible just taste of warm water that's not hot or cold just terrible. And Jesus says, we, he, he, when, he, when, he, when he tastes people that are lukewarm, that are tepid like that, he wants to spit them out of his mouth. He doesn't enjoy it at all. He carries on and says this, You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Wow, that's quite a thing to say. I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, Pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You do not realize. This is such a beautiful part of that text. You do not realize. Because lukewarmness is not something we do intentionally. It's not something we say, well, you know what? I'm going to live a lukewarm Christian life. Nobody ever says that. We drift into it. And we get distracted into it. And, and before you know it, you don't realize it. But you, 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 you don't realize that actually you've become warm. You've become cold. You've become, you've become this kind of in-between, no-man's-land kind of Christianity. You're kind of not at the net putting away a, a volley, but you're not on the back of the court kind of doing a ground stroke. You're actually in no-man's-land. It makes you very vulnerable. He carries on. He says this. You do not realize that you're Richard, pitiful, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. It's amazing. I counsel you. Counsel you. Jesus is counseling this church. 
Jesus is counseling this church. The first thing he says, he says, well, buy from me, buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Jesus counsels them with, begins counseling them with three key things. Gold, white linen, put that linen on, white clothes, and solve a balm for their eyes to heal their eyes so that they can see properly. Verse 19, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Other translations say be zealous and repent. That's the fourth thing Jesus counsels them to do. Be zealous and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will go in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. Let's have a look here. First of all, we've got to understand, to understand this properly about what's, what's happening here. We've got to understand Laodicea. It's a prominent city. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it actually prides itself in being self-sufficient, the city. And um, probably the most self-sufficient city in the region, in fact. And that, that would be their claim to fame. They are particularly good at financial and banking systems. They're particularly good with handling gold and financial systems, money. They're also particularly good in the textile industry the garment, the rag trade. They, they, they can import and export and, and build, and they've got this thriving textile industry in the city. The third thing that, they, that they're known for in the world is a popular eye-bomb, which, which was exported around the world for healing of eyes and eye ailments. In fact, one, one commentator said they had this very much a thriving school of ophthalmology. Of, of specialists that know about us. Credible, hey? Those are the very three things that Jesus counsels them. Their banking system, their, their, their financial system, their textile industry. Remember he says, buy gold. And he says, get some, get some white linen. Put some white linen on to, to clothe your, your shamefulness. And then he goes on and he talks about, you put some salve on your eyes so that you can see. The, the very three things that this city was known for are the very three things that Jesus speaks to them about and uses that popularity in the city, those things that they're good at in the city, to, to speak to them. This city, friends, was so, this city was so arrogant about its wealth that it refused help in AD 60 when there was a massive earthquake. And there was this kind of federal disaster relief fund that was given uh, by, the, by the kind of the, the emperor at the time to help rebuild cities. And this city, Laodicea, said, no, 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 we don't need your help. We can do this on our own. And they prided themselves as being better than Antioch and Phrygia, that they were more prominent. They didn't need help like those cities were. And it wasn't a case of, oh, you know what, we, 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 don't want to, we don't want to take the help from somebody else. It was an arrogance. It was actually, we don't need your help. We're self-sufficient. So you start to understand that this, this city, the city of Laodicea, was very arrogant, was very prideful, 
and didn't find its need for any help or any Christ or any savior, in fact. They were their own savior. And what had happened is, is that the believers of this city had started to take on the atmosphere of that city. Rather than change the atmosphere of the city, change the culture of the city, the culture of the city started to impose itself on them as believers. And so we have this, this reality where, where actually the, 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 the believers are starting to get lukewarm. And the reason why they're getting lukewarm, friends, is because they say that they are rich and don't need anything. They have an illusion of self-sufficiency and self-dependence. And this is starting to creep into the church and into their lives. And Jesus comes with a very strong word to them. And he says to them, when you start to get self-sufficient and, and, and you, you become self-dependent, where you're no longer dependent on me, you become like warm, tepid water that I just want to spit out my mouth. It was quite interesting that this particular city had a, um, had a very, with all, its, with all its wealth and all its prominence, it had a very poor water supply. And so it relied on getting water 10 k's away from Hierapolis, another city in the area where it was through aqueducts came into the city. But Hierapolis was actually known for its hot springs. But by the time, and it's great, if you've got hot water, that's a great thing. You can, you can bath in hot water. Hot water is useful. Cold water is useful. But tepid water, not really useful for anything. And so actually this water would come from Hierapolis into Laodicea. But by the time it got there, it wasn't hot anymore. It was tepid. But on, and on the other side of, of Laodicea was, was, the city of, uh, was the city of Colossa. And they were known for its cold, fresh springs. So this city was in between the hot, um, the hot springs and the cold springs, and the water that they received was neither hot nor cold. And so we see again the believers starting to take on the weakness of the city, the culture of the city. Friends, God has called us as believers to set the temperature of the city, not to take on the temperature of the city. We're called to be culture setters, not culture receivers, not culture, we meant to be a thermostats, like somebody would say, thermostats, not thermometers. We meant to set the temperature, not take on the temperature around it. What, what else was significant about the city is that because it was vulnerable in its water supply, it was very vulnerable to attack. So uh, uh, an invading army could just cut off the, the, the aqueduct and would have no water. And so they could see, they, they, would, they would die of thirst. And so what was happening, what would happen with the, this city was kind of a city of compromise. So any enemy, any, 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 any enemy that would come, they would quickly make a compromise with and do a deal with so that they wouldn't be attacked. And this is the, this is the context into which Jesus speaks to this, this church. And he says, you're neither hot nor cold. You are, you've compromised your faith. You are compromising your faith because you think you are self-sufficient. And you think you are self, you're, you've got, you depend on yourself. You don't need any other help. All of these things that are true for the city have become true for the believers. And so the believers are taking on the very culture of the city rather than resetting the culture of the city. You know, friends, Jesus gets us and understands. He gets, he gets non-believers that are cold. He gets that. That's kind of, that's what you be non-followers of Jesus. You expect them not to have a red-hot faith. 
And friends, you can understand Jesus also loves a fire-hot believer. But Jesus does not understand a believer that is lukewarm, a believer that is neither hot nor cold. And friends, this is a moment, this moment in COVID has been like a, and we'll see a bit later on, it's like Jesus is knocking at the door, wanting, wanting to come in, wanting people to come back to him. And COVID at this time has been Jesus knocking at the door of our hearts, Jesus knocking at the door of our self-sufficiency, Jesus knocking at the door of our self-dependence, Jesus knocking at the door of like living our lives as though, as though Jesus doesn't exist, being a follower of Jesus in name, but not being a follower of Jesus in life and in living. And, Je and this moment is a moment in God where, that we cannot miss as God takes us deeper, as God takes us back into love with him, and God takes us back into a hot, fiery faith with him as we go forward. Cold water is refreshing. Hot water is healing. But tepid water is nauseating. And this is what Jesus is getting at. So let's have a look here in the, from this text. What is the root of lukewarm armchair no man's land? When I say no man's land, I'm talking about tennis. When I, when I went to tennis lessons when I was younger and you were told either you get up to the net or you get back onto the baseline. Don't go in between because if you're in between, you know where you can't defend it, you can't attack. And, and that's what happens with lukewarmness. So what is the root of lukewarmness? And I've said it already. The, luke of luke, the, the root of lukewarmness is the illusion of self-sufficiency and self-dependence. And as I said earlier, it, it's not like you would say as a... Because you don't know, because you've drifted there, and because you've kind of just gone there with life, and as I said, you're distracted there with life, you, you, it's, not, it's not like you intentionally want to get there. You don't say it, well, listen, I'm a walk, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I've become a lukewarm believer. But actually, all of our life begins to speak to that lukewarmness. What are some of the, what are some of the life choices and attitudes that we begin to have that tell the world and tell those around us that actually we lukewarm for Jesus. Well, first of all, as soon as you start to declare yourself, um, your self-sufficiency and self-dependence, all of these things start to come into place. But these are some of the things that I think are traits of lukewarmness. One is this. You only seek God when you need him. You only seek God when you're in trouble. When things are going well, you live like you don't need God. So what that means is I want to take what God gives me, but I don't want to take him. What about another one? What about this one? Our prayer life is non-existent. When we have a non-existent prayer life, what that means, what that tells the world, what that tells Jesus, it means we don't depend on him. It means we are self-sufficient. We don't need Jesus. What about this? Intimacy with Jesus is not a, no longer a priority in our lives. And when I say intimacy, fellowship with Jesus. Moments in him when you just know. And you don't have them all the time maybe. And you don't have them every day maybe. But there's moments in our lives that we just know that have met with God in a powerful way. Our walk with Jesus becomes mechanical. And it loses its heart. It's like a ticking clock rather than a beating heart. These are some of the things of what I think lukewarmness is. You know what happens in lukewarmness is our world gets small. And we start living from holiday to holiday or adventure to adventure. 
and that those become the high points of our life rather than what God is doing in our lives. And those are moments of rest and restoration and all those things. But actually our high points is what God's doing in the kingdom in and through our lives and in and through our community. We become critical of everything. And we become critical of everybody and anything that, that we can blame shift to, that kind of any disappointment or, or failure, it always becomes somebody else's fault. And we never recognize our own complicity in every, anything that happens to us. I think that's a sign of lukewarmness. And friends, when, we say, when I say we become critical, we become especially critical of the church. Because somehow the church is not fulfilling its role and not doing enough and hasn't done this and did this. And when in actual fact, actually your walk with God is dependent on you. And as a community, we, we try to help people into that. But actually it's your responsibility, our responsibility as individuals. Lukewarmness, you stop growing in God. We stop maturing. We stop becoming more like Jesus. We become stale in our walk with God. We become critical of zealous believers. When you look at somebody that's just zealous and just off the charts and, are, and is just running after God and they're praying for the sick and they're praying for anything that moves and actually we become critical of them rather than thinking, Jeepers, Lord, make me more like that. When you become lukewarm, you might be successful, but your life has no meaning. You might have a lot of money, but your life has no meaning. As a believer, friends, our lives are purposeful, meaningful, have destiny over them. When you get lukewarm, you talk more about business than the wonder of the good news of the kingdom. Our, our conversation is not centered around what God is doing and how he is blessed and what he's opened up. It's actually talking about worldly things and stuff that kind of just you can do in your own strength. Indifference and compromised lifestyles are traits of a lukewarm believer. Indifference. Indifference. So what? I don't care. Just carry on. Let's plan for the next holiday. What about being stopped being amazed at the wonder of our salvation and our call in God? Friends, have you ever stopped to think about the blood of Jesus that has made us righteous before God and put us back into relationship with, our, with him, where even when we mess up, his love doesn't change for us. Have you thought of the, the you, we lose the wonder of our salvation. We lose the wonder of the purpose of, our, of, our, of his purpose in our lives. Our call, we lose the wonder of what that means and we get distracted by all sorts of things. We, we stop, when we get lukewarm, we, 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 we kind of stop living in the new covenant reality of the gospel. So we easily live with unforgiveness and offense. It's a sign of lukewarmness. What about just one or two more? Our joy levels are absolutely low. Sign of lukewarmness. Fearful of the future. Fearful, no hope. Sign of lukewarmness. When the believer, we are, the Bible says that we are prisoners of hope. When we start to lose hope and joy, friends, it's a sign that we're drifting into lukewarmness. Somebody said this very, very wisely. There's no one more miserable than a lukewarm Christian. They have too much of the world to be happy in Jesus, but too much of Jesus to be happy in the world. Isn't that amazing? There's no one more miserable than the lukewarm Christian. They have too much of the world to be happy in Jesus, 
but too much of Jesus to be happy in the world. And they live in this no man's land, not, not being hot or cold. And actually Jesus says, I wish that you were one or the other. I just, I, I want, I want a, I want a, uh, I want a heat and a fire from you back in your relationship with me. What's the counsel? So, so you see, that's, that's kind of what it looks like to be lukewarm. To me, that's what it's practically what it can work out. And I pray that that list that came to me as I was preparing this ministers to us, friends. Let me just throw, put this one more thing in that's come to me again here now. You know, friends, often we come for counseling about marriage, but actually it's not a marriage problem, it's a lukewarmness problem. It's a lukewarmness in Christ that has stopped us living out the gospel to our husbands or wives. Friends, lukewarmness touches all of our lives, and especially marriages. And I want to, I want to say to us today, if our marriages are not what they could, should be, I want, to, I, want to, I want to suggest to you there's a lukewarmness somewhere there. There's an unforgiveness. There's a performance expectation. There's something in there that's not right in God. So those are some of the things that I think is what lukewarmness means. But look at what Jesus says. So how do we counteract lukewarmness? How do we get, how do we, how do we get over lukewarmness? This is what he counsels them. He counsels them, friends. Friends, uh, one of my prayers is, is that our counseling would be the counseling of Jesus in, our, in people's lives. We've got to take the counsel of God. This is God now counseling us. This is now God saying, this is what you need to do. Number one, he says, he says this. He says that you must come, he says you must come to me. Come to me. You must come to Jesus. The first thing is you must come to Jesus. And I want you to buy, to buy gold, he says. I want you to become, he says in verse 18, I counsel you that to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. You see, where, where, where have you heard about gold refined from the fire? In 1 Peter, talking about faith. So basically what he's saying is, he's saying, come to me and start to live a life of faith, not pragmatism. Start to live a life of dependence on me, not dependence on your own self-sufficiency. So faith is a key ingredient. Friends, when we start drifting, it's because our faith is being eroded. This season is a massive season of faith for the church as we go through COVID. Finding a fiery faith is the counsel God gives to lukewarm living. Faith. We've got to ask God and we've got to start practicing our faith. Start living it out and hearing God and going. That's why he says, come to me because you can't have faith unless you hear God. Otherwise, that's just wishful thinking, hopeful thinking. Actually, no, faith is hearing God and then being obedient to what he says. The second thing he says, he says, I want you to, to go and buy some white garments. I want you to buy some white clothes to wear so that you can cover up your shameful nakedness. Basically, what he's saying, get back to the gospel. Get back to the righteousness that is yours in Christ, that you can live a shame-free life, a guilt-free life. You see, you've got to come back to him. You've got to find faith and you've got to start to live out the gospel, the new covenant reality of Jesus' blood. Paid a price so that we don't have to pay it and live the life that we, we could never live, but now begin to live under the power of the Holy Spirit in those ways and start to become the reality of God's righteousness in our everyday lives. The third thing he says is, find, you come and buy some balm to heal your blindness. This is, this is phenomenal. Remember, I've said those three things are actually things the city was known for. 
And Jesus is saying, but come to me and get these things. Come to me and get gold, get faith. Come to me and find righteousness. Come to me and find healing that you can see again. Friends, if you're finding yourself lukewarm in these times, it's a moment to get before God and stir our faith. Get with the believers because that helps you stir your faith. Find a rough, remember again the righteousness that, that, that is yours in Christ. And again, ask God for us to see the reality of the kingdom of God, to see the reality of Jesus in everyday life. See, revelation, friends, is such a key uh, 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 healing or counsel that God gives to us so that we can get through lukewarmness and spiritual blindness and dullness. The fourth thing he says, he says, be zealous and repent. Man, friends, last week I spoke about one of the things that God says about finding your first love is you've got to repent. There's got to be a revelation, friends, that turns into, into a response that is toward what God wants, friends. These are moments of, of deep repentance for the church. These are moments where people can find Jesus again, find his grace, find his love in a profound way. In the New, in the, in the New Living Translation, it says, be diligent and turn from your indifference. See, there's something where we've actually got to be intentional. We've got to say, God, I want to, I, I want to be diligent and I, want to be, I don't want to be indifferent. Father, I want a faith. And Father, please forgive me. Please help me. Help me to see this. Balm my eyes. Heal my eyes so that I can see what you're doing in my life right now. And Father, take my, take my strength away from my own self-sufficiency and put my strength into you again. And then lastly, he says this. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to knock on the door. But what you've got to do is you've got to open the door to me. And I think this is a very significant moment for this preach right now as a response. You see, when Jesus comes knocking, it's amazing he says, he doesn't say, come, he hears his knock. It says he hears his voice. So what it means is Jesus is knocking and calling. Hey, Gary's sitting in front of me. Hey, Gary, how are you? I want to come in, bro. I'm, I, I'm wanting to be, you, you're not with me. I, I, let me in. Let me in. Let me in as he knocks, as he continues to knock. Gary, let me in, bro. Let me in. Friends, this, this scripture often gets quoted as to unbelievers, uh, Jesus is knocking on the door of your life so that you can find him. Friends, this scripture, the context of this scripture is actually to lukewarm believers, not to people that don't yet know Jesus. And he is knocking on our door, the door. COVID is a massive knock from God on the, on the hearts of the believers at this time. Hear his voice, he says. He says, when you hear my voice, open the door because I want to come and eat with you. I want to come and sit in your lounge. I want to come and sit around your dining room table and share your best meal. It's like you're sharing your favorite food with your favorite people. I want to be that for you. And he's saying, I want to come and eat with you. And it's amazing. Jesus never stops knocking. I want to encourage us at this time, friends, open the door of your hearts to Jesus, the knocking Jesus, the Jesus that wants to come and have fellowship with us, the Jesus that wants to have intimacy with us, the Jesus that wants to eat with us, friends. It's a profound, profound truth in God. There's lots of wine and there's lots of laughter and they're just having fun around the table with Jesus. Friends, if you've gone dry and you've gone dull and you've, become a, and you've lost your first love, that which we spoke about last week, and you've actually become lukewarm, listen to the remedy and the counsel that Jesus says. Find a fiery faith again. Know the reality of the righteousness of God that you have in Jesus. Ask God for a balm for your eyes so that you can see the reality of the spiritual 
kingdom and atmosphere around you and be able to, to, to take ground in this space. Be zealous and repent. Get before God and just say, God, I'm intentional. I want to come back to you in a profound way. And maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe you've walked away from God for a long period of time. I want to say to you, friends, Jesus is knocking at your door of your heart and saying, come and eat. I want to come and eat with you. Open the door. Don't let Jesus live on the veranda. You know those beautiful old farmhouses with the veranda, wraparound verandas. Jesus is not meant to be living on the verandas of our lives. He's meant to be living in the very center, around the fire, in the dining room, in, the, in, the, in our place where we commune together. That's where he's meant to be living. We don't, we don't sit on the veranda and put our money through the, the window and we kind of throw him a bit of time through the window. No, we come into the, let him into the house that we can enjoy him and enjoy his life. Friends, let's not waste COVID. Let's not waste this COVID moment. Let's use this moment for a deeper opportunity in God. God wants to take us deeper in Him. That's what, friends, one of the fruits of COVID is a deeper walk with God. And we cannot waste this window. We cannot waste this moment. You see that we, everybody's talking about a new normal. Friends, God wants a new normal in our relationship with Him. A new normal with Him. A new reality with Him. Let's take this moment and say, God... God, I want a white hot love again. I don't want to be cold and I don't want to be, I want to be, I want to be, I don't want to be cold and I don't want to be tepid and lukewarm. I want to have a fiery faith for you again and to begin a life that actually represents you well and represents the call on my life well. I pray that for everybody in Jesus' name this morning and this day. And I pray that God would speak to you. These words, this is not a rah rah. I'm trusting God will take these silly words, these these stuttering words, these words, these simple words, and we'll do something deep in our hearts and start a fire again in our hearts and get us moving towards him and eating with him and communing with him and living in community in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great day.